Welcome back to the Salty Dogs Podcast. Mm. Bro, it's getting close to the end of the season. I know. We've been on a rampage lately. We've been on a podcast rampage. I mean, just. Past couple of weeks, mm-hmm. just knocking them out. So here's something you need to know. Me or the... Well, just the listeners. Oh. You, okay. the listeners. So I'm listening. <laughs> so we, we dropped an episode this past Saturday. This episode... Uh, is it 15? Yeah, it's 15 with Dion Gates. Mm. Talking about the presence of God. That was a good one. That was a good one. So that dropped this Saturday. But also, you and I then recorded an episode after that talking about humility as a prerequisite for maturity. That was really and so cool. actually, that episode's available, but it's not available through our RSS feed right now. It's actually available on our Patreon.com page. Mm. Patreon.com slash Salty Dogs Podcast. And little known fact that this episode talking about finding god what what do we call it experiencing god through ecology experiencing god through ecology big title it's actually not um well people aren't going to know this until afterwards but here's the point is that we're doing early releases on some of our episodes nice and so people who choose to support the podcast through patreon.com can actually um jump on and get early release stuff and so there's one one fine young gentleman who actually <laughs> took advantage of that and uh, signed up for our Patreon. And uh, his name. How do you know that he's fine or young? <clears throat> um, I'm just assuming. Oh, okay. I'm discerning the spirits. Ah. And I'm sensing fine, and I'm <laughs> sensing young, and I'm sensing gentlemen. Thus saith the Lord. So check it out, Caleb, one of our patrons. Here's what he says to us: You don't know how much the podcast has an impact on my life. And it means a lot to me. I'm regularly advocating for you and sharing how you impacted me to my family and friends. Looking forward to, in the future, continuing to share my story with you and future supporters. Thanks for everything, Caleb. Ballin', Caleb. Caleb, Casey has a wish for you. May the Lord bless you with rosy cheeks. Indeed. Yeah. The rosiest of all cheeks. (laughs) (laughs) May the Lord endow upon thee the rosiest of the rosy cheeks. Indeed. Hey, so be it. You also wanted to shout out to another guy, didn't you? Oh, Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Young Christian Dudley. Christian Dudley. Christian oh. Dudley. Yeah. It was right. It was. Yeah. You're not one to read his email. I, I was. Yeah. It's kind of long. A, it's email. a lengthy one. It was a good one, but yeah. kind of tell us what he talked no, that, about. No, that really touched me. He just like he just pointed out some things and he had some good advice and <clears throat> uh, a good testimony. And uh, it was a long. It was a long email, so we can't really. I mean, we could, I guess, but. Oh, sorry. That's my carabiner. Yeah, clicking in the background. Clickety-clack. Yeah. You'll edit it out, though. Are you fidgety? No. Oh, okay. No, that's just my fidget spinner. <laughs> An arborist fidget spinner is a carabiner. That's, it's completely true. True words have never been spoken. <laughs> but that's yeah, good. Christian Dudley, thank you for the shout-out, man. And uh, we appreciate your support. We appreciate uh, you taking the time to email us. And uh, I saved that email <clears throat> that's, going in the, yeah. that's going to the catacombs, bro. You're putting it in the, following it away, all, pull all, it out on a rainy day and correct. praise the Lord for reaching people through this thing. Yeah, man. It still yeah. trips me out when we, when we get emails and it's so good. people support I, I We just never, like, we just keep saying it, but, uh, we had never really thought that it would ever be something like what it is right now. Right. And no, it's really good. And I'm super grateful for it. Yeah, me too. So his email, his email came to the salty dogs podcast at gmail.com inbox. And so you guys can email us there as well. Let us know what's going on. Let us know what's happening. Yes. So I'm going to read something to get us cranking today on this episode. Experiencing God through ecology. Mm. Fancy schmancy. Right up my alley. Right up your alley, brother. 
So we're going to read this. Uh, this is the first time we've ever really had a uh, had an episode synopsis, and uh, we'll we'll introduce the author of said synopsis here in just a moment. Maybe. Yep. <laughs> we'll see. So check it out. One must realize that a work of art says exponentially more about the creator than the creation. We know the heart and character of God fully through his word become flesh. We're also gifted with a natural world revealing God's creativity, wonder, beauty, and power. As we study the natural world, its systems and functions, it teaches us things about the spiritual life. It Mm. teaches us things about who we are and how we are designed to become more like Christ and to be formed in his image, there are essential truths we can learn from nature, plants, animals, and God's design. Belongs in a book. Well, we've kind of touched on that in season one. Do you guys remember the trees, roots, fruits, and whatever it was yeah. episodes? Yeah. Yeah, we did two. And then the soil. Yeah, we, tap, we tapped into Casey's brain and his world of expertise and talked about how we can learn about God through just fruit and trees and leaves and branches and roots and... It was good. It was. So, yeah. So today's going to be really great, actually. Yeah. Yeah, we've got Mike Clifford on the mic. How's it going, brother? Hey, it's good, y'all. Are you good? Yeah. Welcome. Excited to be here talking about animals and wildlife, nature, and Jesus. And so stuff. much so. He's so excited about being here to talk about animals and nature and things. So that he, excited. He brought a living organism with him into the studio today. He did. Its name is Pepper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a female. This is the first time for us. It's the first well. time for us having There's a, a lot of firsts going on. A furry on. Hey, friend. this is great. <laughs> this is the first time with a dog in the, the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we have lots of salty dogs on the podcast, well, but this oh, is the first. It's a pepper pun, dog. It's a pun. Pepper dog. Dang. Salt and pepper. He man. brought a pepper dog to the salty dog. dogs podcast. Wow. Mike. She's, she's down here like, why are they that's saying hilarious. Why you're, do they keep talking about you're like, That's hilarious. Dude, you're just killing it, man. <laughs> dude, Mike. Mike's, yes, Mike's tearing it up. Yes. yes. So you wrote this really fantastic, amazing synopsis for the episode. I really appreciate you doing that. Before Thanks. we dive in to all of this uh, wonderful world of knowledge that you have, um, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, specifically, I want you to talk about your dreams, your fears. Yep, that's I right. Like long, I like <laughs> where, long walks on the beach. Where, where do you I see enjoy. yourself in five years? <clears throat> what are your greatest strengths and weaknesses? Yeah, just hoping to be invited back. And on and, salty dogs and how yeah. many friends do you have on Facebook? That's a big deal too. It's a, it's a huge deal. Is huge. that okay. <laughs> huge? Yep. Not go for it, man. Take a moment. Tell us about yourself. Sweet. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a fun journey. I'll keep it short. But basically, I worked as a zookeeper for about five six years, and then went to Africa. Worked as a wild animal transport specialist. So we can get into that. You can ask me all sorts of questions. And yeah, flew around in helicopters. <clears throat> I'm sorry you've had such a boring <laughs> yeah. career. It's been wow. a boring, very so, boring career. Yeah. Maybe um, things will shift for you here soon. Yeah, it'll we'll, get we'll better. Be praying. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I do. Somebody asked me the other day, how many species have I been privileged to work with? It's somewhere a little over 430, 440 exotic species. So it's quite a bit. Um, learned a lot, been bit, kicked, scratched, punched a lot. Nice. So, uh, anywho, did Have that. you ever needed a shot for poison? No, I have not. What do they call that? An anti venom? Anti venom? A shot for poison? <laughs> a shot for poison. No, it's I mean, an anti venom. <laughs> I can. Yeah, I'm not I need to go brush up on like, my uh, my a, jargon. So mm-hmm. yeah. there is a difference between venom and poison. Just so if you ever uh, want to sound okay. more intelligent in the future, not that you sounded dumb, but venom is from uh, animals. sounded dumb to you and your venom world. is from animals. Poison is from from well, chemicals. Clothes. Poison yeah. is ingested. Venom is injected. 
Mm. Oh, interesting. That sounds like something I need to write down. Yeah, it's a cool one. So it's good. Keep going, brother. Yeah. So did that. Uh, now I actually do two different things. So I'm the founder and CEO of Capacity Ministries, which is an organization that does basically training for leaders in spiritual formation and systems design. So all in all, what we believe is if the world has more people who smell like Jesus, we'll be better off. And so this idea is just how do we actually help people grow into this life with Jesus and then actually create systems and churches and communities that model those same kind of core beliefs and ideals about Jesus and what he, what he models to us. So that's kind of what capacity is. That's good. Tell us where to find it online. Yeah. So capacityministries.com. Uh, that's the best place to find it. You can find the email there if you want to chat some more about it. Um, you can also do Mike at capacityministries.com. That'll go straight yep. to me. And just real quick, you guys um, train organizations. You bring a team in and you usually do a couple days there on site, mm-hmm. spend time with teams. Yep. Right? Yeah. Super, super cool stuff. We do everything from... Uh, like Christian colleges and master's courses and groups like that to churches, church boards, Christian schools. So anywhere there's a group of leaders who are trying to serve others, that's where we come in and we help craft that. That's good stuff. Yeah. Did you cover it all? Uh, one more. So the other one that's probably important. Oh, that's right. I know it's a weird conglomerate here, but yeah, we so, need you to qualify yourself for this topic. So <laughs> yeah, apparently, yeah, I know. So that we know that you're qualified. It's a, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough topic. So the other thing I do with the majority of my time is I actually work as a zoo designer. So I work with about 240 zoos and aquariums across United States and North America to help basically design exhibits, design organizational structures. Um, I work for an architecture firm called GLMV. Um, it does not stand for this, but I always say it's giraffe, lion, monkey, vulture. But that's not actually right. So GLMB, though. I like that better. <laughs> yeah. It's easier to remember. I think I'm going to go with that one. Yeah. Giraffe, lion, monkey, vulture. So I do that, and, you know, people ask all the time. Sounds like a mythical creature. <laughs> that would be a cool body of a, body a, of body a giraffe. A liger. Mind of a monkey. A liger. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Napoleon Dynamite's favorite <laughs> animal. Is that what you said? It's bred for its magical powers and it, yeah, sorcery or something. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm. Yeah, that's fun. So that's that's kind of what I do. That's a little. That's the overview. It's good, man. So I'm really excited to dive into this topic. Um, I'm coming, kind of wondering how you're going to start it and where we're going to take it. So I'll let you start to run with it. Experiencing God in ecology. So maybe define ecology for those of us who uh, forgot everything we learned in high school. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, for me, ecology or just ecosystems in general, right, is this, it's the study and the science of all living things and non-living things and how they interact with each other. Man, so that's your technical definition of it. The way that I see that is this world creation, including humanity, is designed in this really intricate, beautiful, complex, confusing, mysterious way. But as you dive into that and you basically just kind of take the time to be confused by nature, the things you learn are just spectacular. I mean, what? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I know this is right up. Casey, you know a little bit about that, don't you? Yeah. I mean, and I say this all the time, but I mean, one of the most beneficial things that, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, God just always puts you right where, you know, like we have this like misconception, I think sometimes that like, oh, God's going to lead me down a path that, you know what I mean? Like worshiping him and everything that you do, like, like he's going to somehow lead you astray. But man, I like, he put me right where I want it. Like, but it. It, mm-hmm. it is honoring to him, but for me, it's been 
the most rewarding and most and, and the best thing that could have ever happened to me. You yeah. know what I mean? Is that I found my function, you know, uh, through, you know, as vocationally as well as, you know, but the, the things that I've learned just from climbing all day and, and being in nature all day, I yeah, mean, are, are some of the most, are some of the most profound, are some of the most profound things that I've mm-hmm. ever learned and the, and the most moving that I've ever learned as well. And it's just, <clears throat> it's interesting to see, to see that, you know, and, and what does it say? Is that, is it Job or it says, look to the earth and it'll teach you all things. You know? Yeah, there, there's a scripture like that, but I, specifically I was thinking of Romans one twenty. It says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And so an invisible mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. Yeah. Has, has made things visible to point back to the invisible. Man. And mm-hmm. so the thing that has been made is all of creation. Right. Well, you, even the function of nature as well, it gives you a little bit, it gives you um, an understanding as, as into spiritual function as well, especially the function within trees. And that was, you know, if, you, if you're interested in that, go back to Season the episode. One. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I, I just find it really just amazing that mm-hmm. you can learn about your spiritual life from, from the natural creation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I'm already just like 10 things want to key in on what you were talking about, but you know, this, you hit on vocation a little bit, and that's something a lot of people ask me is, you know, why, why do I work in a zoo design firm? You know, when there's all these other things that could go on. And, and it, this is adamant for me. I've got a little bit of like a life vision statement. And for me, it's to create moments of beauty and fascination with enough power to break the numbness and distraction mm. of our lives. And I say that again. Yeah, I'm not going to quote it the same way, Okay, <laughs> but I'll try. <laughs> so basically to create moments of fascination and beauty with enough power to break the numbness of the human experience. Wow. And so I think that there's something to be said for, so I'm going big culture, not necessarily ecosystems here, but we are just distracted. I mean, we are bombarded Absolutely. by stuff and technology and things, and they're not bad in and of themselves. Did we just become best friends? We may have just <laughs> become best friends. Did we just become, okay. Uh, you know, stack but, our beds on. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much room for mom. Yeah, that's right. Okay, keep so, going, okay, keep right. going. But anyways, the, we're going to have too much fun. Okay, so, you know, you, you find humanity, especially the Western world. I mean, I think that resources play a big role in this. But you find ourselves just, just keeping ourselves distracted. And one, I mean, we know in all the zoo, zoo work with zoos, there's a big drive to get people's hands back in the dirt. Yeah. Like nature play is kind of the big theory behind it. There's a great book. Can't remember the name of it, but it's, I think it's called the last child in the woods or something. I think it's the title of it, but it's all about how we're moving further and further away from getting our hands in the dirt. Absolutely. And what, what we extrapolate out of that is humanity is losing our intimate connection to the actual world. And so I was just reading. I'm going all over the place. So no, okay. keep going. It's just it. interesting okay. to me because because we're essentially losing our connection with ourselves then because we are made exactly. from the dirt. And exactly. So, yeah. Okay. And we. So I was just talking about um, Matthew Crawford's another great author. He's uh, there's a book called The World Beyond Your Head. It took me like a year to read it. The thing is thick, dense, it's dense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not a good reader, but it took me a long time to read that. Anyways, so one of the things that he says, I don't read is, too good. I don't real real good. <laughs> I don't read well. I'll articulate that better. But uh, anywho, so one of the things that he says is like, you know, so much of the work that we do in society now is we don't actually get to see a direct result. Mm. So it's it's kind of mental 
and we're removed from the actual effect. And so he has this great quote that I'm not going to get right. Uh, but he says, you know, unless we can have an effect on it, we can't learn to take responsibility for it. Right. And so he talks a lot about why working on a motorcycle is important, why gardening is important, why are these things. And for me, with an ecological tilt, I'm like, get your hands in the dirt. See how the dirt actually creates something. Mm -hmm. And I love, like, I'm with you, man. Nature, I think at this point, nature teaches me more about God than anything else I encounter. It's not the only thing, but it teaches me a lot. And I love, like, gardening has become probably my biggest spiritual discipline. Hmm. What you get to do in gardening is set the environment, plant the seed, and, and wait. wait. Mm. Well, you know, brother, gardening is not a traditional spiritual discipline. <laughs> no, it's not a traditional spiritual discipline. But Jesus seems to talk about it a lot. Yeah, he, he sure, sure does. does. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> weird. It's like you guys have done this before. I know. You know, Finishing so I mean, each other's glad sentences. We're t- glad we're taking a break. It's cute. <laughs> it's not you, it's me, Jason. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, you just get, like, this our world. I mean, that's where that mission statement comes from. Like the reason I do my work with the zoo stuff, I mean, this is a deep passion of mine. That's why I'm there. It's, it's not to figure out where to put a two by four. That's what the architecture for, right? What I get to do is zoos, AZA accredited zoos. So association of zoos and aquarium zoos see over 180 million people a year. That's more than all professional sporting boards, sporting events combined. So if we can help to build something that inspires and fascinates and compels somebody with curiosity and educates and educates, right? Like that's all part of that movement. If we can do that, I actually believe that's a, that's what God cares about. Yeah. Mm. And that's what I do. And you know, so it, it all kind of infuses into this movement. Yeah. It's good stuff. Casey, what are you thinking? He's like, why are you looking at me? Yeah, I've been rolling with it. What are you thinking? <laughs> I just find it interesting that he he talks a little bit about um, gardening because I've done some gardening. I'm sure you probably have more of a green thumb than I do. As a matter of fact, mine's brown, not green at all. But um, <laughs> And it's not my, from the dirt. I know, right. My <laughs> So dumb. Hashtag dad joke. My, uh, uh, my garden this year was like the worst it's ever been, but I also – neglected it the most I've ever neglected it. And there's like all sorts of freaking spiritual implications just by that and that alone. I mean, the fact that the garden needs tended, but not only that, it's like, I mean, when you start getting down into the science of all of that stuff and you're, you're testing pH levels on your soil and you're making sure it's good. And you, you know, you have to get that, that soft loam or whatever it's called. And it's got to have good. It's the soil has to be uh, such a, a, um, a texture or such a mixture that water like seeps into it very easily it needs to be porous right i mean just i start thinking about all that stuff and it's just like you know there it there are all these little things and and just that entire process is it's so detail focused and there's so many little intricacies and little things that you can do to help infuse nutrients and you know where you place the plants and how much sun they get and how much unreal it's crazy yeah you know it's unreal and it and it always nature always leads me back to the mind of god like how could you possibly have come up with this like can you imagine? And it, and it, and it causes me wonder. Right. And so with, with nature, like you said, wonder, you know, it, it, it should cause wonder because I, and I believe that, the, you know, science has this tendency to tell us that because their theories 
semi explain something that for some reason that that explains that there is no God, you yeah, know. And yeah. but when when I read those kind of books or when I read those kind of things or when I'm in you know when I'm you know studying for my ISA exam, I'm like, man, like all of this points to to a God, like a creator, mm-hmm. a design. And if you can, man, a fool says in his heart there is no God, not in his mind mm-hmm. or anything else. In his heart that there, right. there is no God, you know. And to to me to look at blatantly in the face and and deny that you know man that's like denying da vinci existed when you look at his paintings you know oh well this just came out of nowhere and blah blah we can explain you know the way that was painted and the paint that was used and everything else so therefore there There, was no there there was was no no painting and then one day there was a painting yeah exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) and so but it always serves me to come back you know it serves to, to to move me back to uh, the mind of God, man, like just the omniscience and the power and the majesty, you know, when you see all this on display and we're, and we're destroying it, you know, uh, leave it to human beings to take something and destroy it, man. It's mm-hmm. just it kind of seems that that's our MO. Um, <clears throat> and it's, yeah. it's sad to me, you know, and, uh, man, I'm with you on, on propagating, uh, uh, you know, cause people need to know and the further and further and further and the bigger we build our cities and the further we get away from creation rather to creating for ourselves, I think there's a huge discrepancy there, man. And it's, and, and I believe it's one of the biggest technology and, and the things that we've created have served to be a distraction and one mm-hmm. of the biggest hindrances in you know, man, I, I I can't believe I'm like chained to my phone. Like literally, I saw this painting one or this like this art thing one time. I don't a know. meme. A meme. I did, <laughs> and it was a phone, but it had a chain to it. And it was chained to the wrist, and I was like, I look at that and the implications. That to, oh. to, to, I was like, I was like, man, because yeah. it's true. Yeah, like when the, the first, like I get home, take off my clothes, and put on my new set of clothes, and my phone goes right in my pocket. Like, why do I yeah. need that? I don't. Right. You know what I mean? But it's become yeah something that it shouldn't have been. You know, I think a big thing too. You know, you're talking about guarding gardening and the discipline that's actually kind of innately required. You didn't use the word discipline, but sure. that's what you're usually right. like, I neglected it. Yeah. Well, the opposite of neglect can be discipline, discipline yeah. you know? And, and so it's funny because I was, I was so blessed to have some amazing mentors in my life. And that was one of the things they really instilled was the, well, I'll quote Dallas Willard on this. One of the things that he talked about is when we think of freedom as a society, we think of a total lack of restrictions, we yeah. think of, you know, he, the analogy he uses is a child in a front yard, no right. worry in the world, just mm-hmm. playing. And he said, that's not freedom. Freedom is a classical pianist who's dedicated 30 years to his craft, to his craft. So they can sit mm-hmm. down at any piano and they can play something. And they that have bring the freedom. Tears. They have the freedom to fully do what they're able to do, hmm. which is a totally different understanding of freedom. Yeah. And so in our world, especially, I think the Christian world, we're so adverse to discipline. And maybe that comes back to the origin of the Protestant movement away from workspace faith. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But we're so adverse and kind of avoid the discipline. The other side of it is it's hard. We yeah. don't like it. It's yeah. difficult. And so we'd rather just avoid it. We're so but free. We're so free that we don't, that we're that not we don't free have at any all. discipline. We're com- <laughs> yeah. Like we're completely, kind of like what you're saying. Free from our, discipline. Yeah. Our idea, in quotes, right? Our idea of freedom is actually chaining us to that which is not real. Right. And so what does it look like in, in a different mechanism to say, I'm actually going to be dedicated to these things. I'm going to be dedicated to whether it's going on creation walks or like for me, something that's been huge and I still to this day, I struggle with it, but just saying, I'm going to stop looking at my phone at nine 30 yeah. and at nine 30, right. I'm going to start reading yeah. 
or Netflix has been an issue for me, me at too. points because yeah. I like, even if you're watching nature shows. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but nature. hey, yeah. hey, hey. <laughs> but you know, so even little things like, <laughs> bro, there's freedom, hey, bro. There's hey, freedom. Whoa, freedom. Yeah. yeah, freedom and grace. You know, but it, it's so funny because I'm in the midst of this right now with just sleeping patterns. Like sleeping patterns make a huge difference. Circadian right? rhythms. Yeah, and so for me, it's saying, okay, I'm going to dedicate myself to not looking at a screen. Because, I mean, we even know the biology of what a screen does mm-hmm. to your eyes. The blue light. Like, it's just not good, yeah. right? So I'm going to be dedicated to not looking at that so that when I wake up in the morning, I've had a good night's rest. And the first thing I think of in the morning is, hey, Jesus, let's go let's go work together. Right. Like, in that, Instead the days of who emailed me or texted me overnight. And, yeah. and, and I think, and I think that plays a huge part because uh, that's honoring God and everything that you do, right? Like, Hey, let's go work together. Right. And I, and I get into that sometimes too, cause I was in this really weird, like state where, where my, my career, you know what I mean? I was so obsessed with it that I was neglecting other areas of my life and those areas began to suffer. And, uh, it wasn't until like I let go of ego, uh, you know, wanting to be the best tree climber city. Well then the region Well, then, you know, competing and like just doing all these things. And, and, uh, it was where, you know, I just said, you know what, I'm going to give this to you and I'm going to enjoy this with you. Right. So I'm going to invite you to enjoy this with me because this Mm -hmm. is what I was designed to do. I mean, I'm telling you, man, this is what I was designed to do. Mm -hmm. And, but we can take that just like we pervert everything, just like we just said, you know, we, we pervert everything, but we have to exist in this, in this fine little zone, right. In our mentality and in our mind where our focus is still Jesus and honoring him with what I'm doing. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. It's, it's when you start worshiping the the blessing versus worshiping the and it's and right it's a, and it's easy to do, you know. And and uh, something I was talking thinking about when you were talking about discipline was, man, when you'd start disciplining yourself in one area of your life, you'll watch other areas of your life that aren't supposed to be there fizzle out because there's a lot of things. Yep, there's a lot mm-hmm. of things where when I started being disciplined, or and I'm not disciplined by any means. I'm just you know trying to get get a hold of this. But right. I started noticing once I devoted my my energy and my time and my focus to other areas of my life with the invitation, you know, God be in this with me and my family and my job and everything. I just kind of watched things mm-hmm. that weren't supposed to be in my life just, they just fade away. away. It wasn't yeah. like they were just gone. Like, oh my gosh, I'm free. Yeah. You're just like slowly and slowly, slowly and slowly. It's just like, yeah, yeah I, don't, well, I me, don't need it. You know? So let me tell you this story. Cause I, you're actually hitting on a, a change method that we use called indirection. So indirection. Does it have to do with ecology? <laughs> I would, you know, I was actually just thinking that too. I'm like, as a good facilitator, I need to bring the topic back to ecology. Hey, he's moving, man. Let's do it. Man. I mean, I can go. I got, I've got 25 notes on this piece of paper already. So if you want to go back That's to great. ecology, we can go there. I would love but to. But I got this other I story. I want you to school us, brother. Yeah. Well, I want man, you to school us. I like where the spirit's leading us. Man. Okay. So, all right. Okay. All right. So, so the indirection, right? Is this, is this theory that, this is the best way I know how to explain it. If you wanted to become a better baseball player, do you guys play baseball growing up? A little bit, but I sucked. I was, it was on a tee when I was hitting it. Okay. So. Any other sports we can do? Soccer? <laughs> just talk about. I was swimming. Okay, baseball. Well, I, just do I, I was a swimmer. I, got, I actually can't swim. That's well, just a I'm fun sorry fact. I failed high school swimming. I was the yes. only one in my entire class. Wow. But you I, still can't swim? It doesn't go well. I mean, <laughs> like I don't float. This is the thing people don't understand. I'm just going to get, I got I to gotta voice this here now that we're there. Like I just don't float. So I under, like. If I had the endurance to swim, I probably wouldn't die. But I'm pretty sure at this point, like if, if a boat sank in the ocean, I'm just going to give up because there's just no, right. I, I don't float. 
and yeah. it's going nowhere. Wow. So, yep. in direction. Yep. You said direction. you want to follow the Holy Spirit. Right? <laughs> Is that? Oh yeah, I felt a big leaning that oh, way. Oh yeah. Nope, that's all the ego right there. Okay, so anyways, indirection, right? This is so if you want to become a better baseball player, or violinist, or whatever, you don't simply just get in the game and expect to be better. You don't walk onto a concert stage and just try hard. What you do is all that the pain, pain in the rear training that nobody wants to do. If you're, it's an instrument, you learn scales. Well, why do you teach people scales? It's because you master the scales and the instruments so that you can, right? Mm -hmm. So indirection is the process where you do the things you can do today to enable to do that which you can't later. Right. I've heard that. Man, and dude, I I, I experienced that day in and day out too, man, like, because... Everybody wants, to, or you know, everybody that I can, in my, that I run with, everybody wants to climb, dude. Everybody wants to do big trees, big prunes, big, but they don't want to take, or they want to compete. They want to compete, and yeah. t- you know what I mean. But they, they don't, don't want to learn. How they to don't want it. They don't want to take the time, you know. And so when I'm telling these guys, like, hey, man, like this is, so they're like, well, how do you, how did you get to where you're at? Well, I had a, I had an amazing mentor, first of all. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a mentorship that happens, you know. Yeah. But also, like, I dedicated. You know, when it sucked, like after I got off work, guess where I was at? I was in the tree even after I got done with work. I mean, all yeah, day, yeah. all day, every day. But nobody wants to do that. They want the, they want all the accolades, right? They want all the accolades with none of the, with none of the progress and the progress and the yeah. process is how you get to that. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, so like, all right, I'll bring it back. I do have another story, which is a great story. I'm going to tell it. <laughs> but I'll go back to ecology because I, as a good facilitator, I feel like I'm failing. So. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I think you're spot on though. And that's actually something that we see in nature is just this rugged commitment and discipline. Like that is actually modeled in the natural systems because you can't stop. If you think about, uh, this is something I've been thinking about so much is that in culture, we avoid stress, right? Like we actually right. did this as a, it was a really interesting little test. I asked a whole bunch of people, what does happiness look like? Right. And none of the answers ever included anything about challenge, stress, Correct. discipline. Mm, it was all about not. comfort, convenience. ease, convenience, yeah. right? That's a huge spiritual implication right there. Yeah, absolutely. And so what you see in nature is that, so let's, let's go genetics, right? All the way down to genetic variation is what allows mm-hmm. species to adapt right. to the world around them and grow and enhance. It's right. the same for trees as it is for cheetahs. Yep. Like it's all the same deal, you have right? To, you have to adapt or you're going to... That was yeah. cheetahs, not Cheetos. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Cheetos are hyper-palletized, cheetahs. Cheetahs. wonderful little goodness treats that I try yes. not to eat anymore. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so you've got in the natural system... Like humans in our in our comfort driven world, we try to move away from stress. Mm-hmm. Nature needs it; it has to have it. There has to be a level of competition and stress in nature, and it's not a bad thing. Like predator prey relationships is an easy yeah, one to look at. That's right? what I was just thinking. Like yeah. this is so. All right, I'm going to go way out there, but this is really cool. I was just working on a project with um, with a. This might actually be classified. I'm trying to think what I can say. All right. With a top predator, we'll just put it that way. A top predator in the, you know, I'm, now I'm like, somebody's going to come in. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to get taken away. <laughs> Through the ceiling. Yeah. Right, I'm going to guess it's a velociraptor, but keep going. Yeah. Definitely a velociraptor. <laughs> okay. So anyways, top predator in an ecosystem, right? So one of the things that we know is that in our society, society does not like the idea of bears, cougars, wolves. If you go to Africa, it's lions, it's caracals, it's cheetahs, right? We think they're bad. But actually what science tells us is that top predators, like sharks is another really good example, right? Society Mm -hmm. hates sharks. There's less than six shark 
attacks, and I use that in quotes because it's a really loose. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean they to be considered a shark attack. There has there does not have to be a bite. Okay, it just has to be an encounter, which is uh, that's a whole other thing. Anyways, okay, so what you get is in like sharks, wolves, bears, uh, cougars, whatever. They're the top predators. They don't just mass kill things like humans think they do. What they do is they pick off the sick, the weak, and the old. Mm. So what they're actually doing is they're enhancing the population. So like hunters don't often like those predators because they think it's reducing the population of you know good deer to shoot. Right. Actually, it's picking off the bad deer that have yeah. diseases. So really that stress, I mean, we would call that an ecological stressor. That stressor is enhancing all of the populations, mm-hmm. not just causing detriment so, so this, we, we sit I mean, in this space i mean so. even in a even in a, a smaller thing when i was out doing a job this was recent and i saw a cat i mean i heard this like shrieking i was it's and i was like uh-oh and i looked around and this cat is after this squirrel right like and i mean getting after it finally caught him and i just watched this cat just drag this squirrel off and i was like wow that sucks but then I hate squirrels, you know what I mean? Because they because <laughs> they cause damage, and you know they're they're rodents and they're pests. You know what I mean? That's and funny. so I just actually love a, squirrels, but okay, you would. I do, <laughs> I do love them. Although they so have, I, I interrupted they have very you. ugly teeth. Uh, yeah, I interrupted you. I just wanted to give a, 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 a smaller example. You just wanted to be relevant for a moment. I, I, I tried. I gave you. I your tried moments, my hardest. Your moments over. <laughs> <laughs> but I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, so I was I was thinking about the. The spiritual uh, implication then for that, the stressor thing, um, where so obviously we're not talking about like Satan picking off the sick Christians so that we can all flourish, right? <laughs> this is not the implication. Correct. Here. Thank okay, you good. for clarifying. Just making sure, that is just not, clarifying. The, not um, the implication. No, but I mean, I just immediately thought about trials. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, yeah. It's. I mean, James is talking about that, right? Like, I always used to read that section of scripture when James is talking about consider it all consider it pure joy the trials that you face because it'll right. To be honest, I'd read that. I'm like, you are full of it, man. Like right. trials are terrible. I don't yeah. want this. Yeah. But it, it truly, I mean, we were talking about this before we started the podcast, like facing a huge trial this week and actually like literally in the back of my mind, I'm going, I have 100% confidence that God is with me. But at the same time, I, I said this to a coworker. I said, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do this week. Mm. And it's actually an opportunity for me to grow. Right. Right. Like, yeah. but it, I've but, never believed sure. that I could say it, yeah. but I didn't actually intrinsically like, oh yeah, this is a good opportunity, but I did this week. Right. And I'm like, wow. All right, Jesus, you might actually be right about some things. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell us, uh, <laughs> I got you with that one. You did. It took me a second. To, I was like, wait a second. He was right? making a joke. I was like getting all serious and I'm yeah, like, oh, here we go. No, that, I mean, a little bit of sarcasm. Sometimes there. there's a great, another quote, uh, a mentor of mine, James Bryan Smith, uh, an author always says, sometimes there's a lot of vampire Christians. We just want Jesus's blood. We don't want his life. What? Damn. Like, right. We just want the forgiveness of sins and the, the, the ticket into heaven, but we don't want his actual life. Yeah. And so I think that that's one of the things. Vampire like, Christians. Do, yeah, it's a good one. So do some of us really intrinsically believe that Jesus was actually the smartest person alive about business, about societies, about agriculture, about like, I actually think Jesus was the smartest human ever Yeah. to understand all of those things. Yeah. And I said this on that podcast that we thought, I was like, man, like once you f- figure out the function of a tree, in what he was saying about vine and branches, like the, oh, yeah. and, the, and the function of a branch in the trunk. And you're like, now we're just figuring it all out. I was like, dude, yeah. how, how did he, he already know? knew? Yeah. <laughs> he knew. Cause he was brilliant. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So you were going somewhere else, and I took I, it on a down road. I don't remember where I was going actually. It's oh, mm, too bad. Not yeah. doing God. I'm not, I'm probably not on the same uh, wavelength as you two <laughs> at this point in time. I really think y'all are in your own little wow, own little world right wow. now. Yeah, I feel like that sometimes. Like remember that one with uh, Dion and Jamal, where I just had nothing to say. You were just quiet. I the whole couldn't time. do anything. But you, you yeah. guys were just flowing. You're like, you yeah. guys, like, hey, so you got something to say? I'm like, man. He's I, like, no, I actually don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> so that brings up a really good ecological point to help yeah, you along there you here, go, right? There you go. So no, truly, uh, this actually is a really cool thing. So in ecology, we talk about niche or niche, depending on how you want to say it all the time, right? What role and function does an, a living organism play within an ecosystem? And that's a huge – I could get into all sorts of really, really cool stories about how conservation is done versus what they call adaptive ecology or adaptive conservation. And there's some really cool stuff in there. But basically, for an, a healthy ecosystem to happen, you have to have all of these different roles met. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. And so, what's cool is like, now the scriptures coming. Now it's going. coming in. So <laughs> even if you've got like right, you're sitting in a podcast and one of you has a lot to say and the other one doesn't. That's actually okay in ecosystem science because in because that, I'm fulfilling my role. Yeah. Right. Indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So you just the lesser of the two speakers. <laughs> well, I live up to no, my role. But think about that. So so make this connection for me because you just brought you just brought something up good. You're talking about yeah. um, your role, right? So. In ecology and all these plants, these animals, river, I mean, everything that it's all there. It fulfills a role. And when everything's working together, that it's a healthy functioning ecosystem, right? Um, maybe you can break down those different kinds of parts uh, for us. But what I was going to say is, I mean, it just makes me think about the body of Christ the church, and yeah. it's so, I mean, I'm about to get on one because this just drives me nuts sometimes. So, and so at the source one of the things that we say is we embrace our roles and our call in the body of Christ because we have to understand that just because there is a, a typical title or role within a church organization doesn't mean that the people hired to fulfill those roles are actually gifted for those roles. Mm. And a lot of people take on titles, me being one of them, that I took on a title, a title that uh, that nearly crushed me. I seen it. He synced. I synced it. <laughs> What's that from? Oh, that's a Craig. Pine- Pineapple Express. Yeah, I sent it. Yeah. I, I sent oh. you pulled somebody's job on Oh, my gosh. That's Sorry. terrible. Yeah, go ahead. But, yeah, so understanding roles. And so what, what the scripture talks about is that when each one is functioning the way it's meant to function, that the whole body is built up and then it's brought into maturity and then there's health there. And I think one of the reasons that we see some very uh, unhealthy, quote unquote, bodies is because one person's trying to take on the whole load, a.k.a. a lead pastor, and then maybe he's got a couple other people who are supposed to take on some of those other roles. But then you've got an entire congregation of people who've been gifted by God. They have the Holy Spirit. They they know the Lord. They uh, I mean, Scripture tells us very clearly that they've been gifted and that they have a role in the body and that they're indispensable, yet we render them useless by not tapping into those giftings. Now, if all of those people were act, were activated, affirmed, and can realize their role in their call, and they could begin to function in that, we'd see a lot healthier church organizations. Yeah. And so talk about it. I, I think you can tell me about this. T- tell me what happens, let's say, in an ecosystem when a, uh, when a water system— I was just about to say, if a river dries if up. If a river dries up or if water becomes like tarnished or tainted or something like that, what starts to happen? Yeah, that's a good question. So 
there's a lot of, of variables and things that may be at play in that. So right. like my favorite answer ever, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just how it goes. But okay, so let's say you've got um, a stand. Well, we could take it as an actual example here. So the Arkansas River, right, that runs through Kansas. Or if you're from Kansas, it's the Arkansas Kansas, River, which okay. I don't understand. I'm, but okay, I'm not from Kansas, don't so I call judge it the us, Arkansas. Don't so. judge us states from other. You know, other right. states and other countries, like, I know how to pronounce Ar- Arkansas, but for some reason they make us say Arkansas. Anyways, yeah. okay, I'm okay. rant That's, over. So, you know, I've gone whitewater rafting in Colorado at the headwaters of the Arkansas River. Right? Super cool. Like, this is a raging, roaring river that comes with just fresh mountain, you know, ice melt, snow melt, that kind of thing comes down. So you've got tons and tons of water there. If you were to actually follow that river all the way across eastern Colorado and into Kansas, you wouldn't see water in a lot of the river at most points of the year you literally don't now there's water flowing underground but there's not surface water right right and that's because we pull it out for agriculture we pull it out for dams for lakes streams this kind of stuff right so we've stepped in humans and affected this system so what would that do right what you're gonna see and you'll still see it so if you drive along the highways like highway 50 out of wichita will take you you'll pretty much follow the arkansas river all the way out to pueblo colorado right you will see that there's still a lot of tree and growth all along the side of the the river. You'll see that because they've got roots way down and they're Mm -hmm. accessing the water underneath. Yeah. What you see overall, though, is that the absorption rate of just general soil, right? We've pulled so much water out of it that the absorption rate is not happening. And so the water's not refilling into the aquifers, Mm -hmm. which from an agricultural standpoint, this is a huge issue. Because what we do is we continue to develop crops that need tons of water, corn, aka that's a big one, right? And wheats, I mean, there's at least dry wheat that doesn't need nearly as much, but it's only some. And so what we do is we force the planet to do things it's not naturally supposed to do. You don't say. Yeah, I know. Crazy, right? So... For instance, I mean, what you would see from an ecosystem standpoint, and this is where, like, back to that quote of creation says more about the creator than it does about creation. Nature adapts. Nature finds another way to work around it. So if there's no longer surface water, you either find plants that grow deeper roots, trees that hit deeper root systems, or you find animals that get clever about how they get their water. They get it from their, from what they, you know, the intake of their food, that kind of thing. And they go out and they find pockets and things like this. But the loss of a river system or an unhealthy river system. So here's a great example, actually. This is this is a really good one, talking about the complexity of nature and human impact. So bald eagles, most of us know, is the nation's bird, right? In the, hopefully I get the dates right, 60s, 70s, bald eagle was almost completely gone. And what it was, was humans had created a chemical compound called DDT. So DDT is a, uh, it's a... I thought that was a wrestling move. <laughs> it might be. By Diamond Dallas Page. Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh, my bad. Oh, good work, guys. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go back to ecology. Okay. So, <laughs> finally. <laughs> so, so you get DDT, right? So, DDT was made as a chemical compound that actually breaks down calcium. So, insects' bodies, like, just welcome to the complexity, right? Yep. So, insects' bodies are primarily made out of calcium. That's their exoskeleton is calcium. So this chemical compound is created to basically destroy and break down calcium bonds. Okay. So they start using it on fields. Well, what happens is when we get agricultural runoff and all of these chemicals shoot out into the water systems, they shoot into the soil, this kind of thing. Then what started to happen was 
basically as fish and amphibians and all these different things were eating insects that had DDT on it, it was getting into the waterways, you see this kind of critical amount of DDT actually going up in the fish. Well, bald eagles eat fish. Mm -hmm. They basically eat fish and dead things. Carry on is the technical term, right? So that's what a bald eagle eats. Well, let's say one bald eagle in a span of a month is going to eat 10 to 15 fish. There's a rule in ecology called the 10 by 10 rule. So if there's a one times dose on an insect, that fish is going to have a 10 times dose. If that fish has a 10 times dose, the bald eagle is going to have a hundred times dose. So that doesn't kill the bald eagle, but here's what it does. It, it destroys their ability to lay a functional egg because an egg is made of calcium. Wow. So wow. you watch not only between hunting, but also with this DDT, you see this massive plummet. I mean, tr- tremendous plummet in bald eagles. And then they went on the endangered species list and we were able to recover them and they're actually doing really well now. But that's, I mean, it, it's sad. so easy to mess up a system. And I think what's been cool is Jesus is teaching me a lot. Like as I'm in the midst of working on all these, we were talking about earlier, like I'm, I'm involved in some of these big conversations nationally about how we do conservation. Jesus is actually teaching me how to be compassionate because people are making the best decision they know how at the time, generally. Mm. The issue is that it's more complex than we can fathom. And I think that that's an important posture because it's really easy for me to want to get mad at a whole lot of people. And sometimes I think that's right. And sometimes I think they deserve it. But other times I'm like, I think they're probably operating from the best possible place they could with the information they have. And that level of compassion is a, I struggle with that, but I'm sure I would too. So here's your connection to church, right? I think the, if you think about a church group as a dynamic, complex ecosystem, which it really is, you've got a whole bunch of people playing different parts and different roles. Right. And it, I think one of the bigger challenges we face in the church world is that if the, we could call it little C church, if that word makes some sense to you guys, or the organization of church, if it were focused on the goals that I think Jesus has set out for it, we might be okay. Mm -hmm. But often the church, the system of our our organizational churches is more concerned with perpetuating its own system Mm. than it is meeting the goals of the kingdom. Mm. And that's where I think we see the system get adapted and perverted, to use your word. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. So I'm going to take a hard right at this point in time. I've got a, a scripture that is near and dear to me. Um, actually, the one that is near and dear to me is in Psalm 1, but it's also in Jeremiah seventeen eight. And the reason that this is very near and dear to me is because it was uh, the scripture that the Lord gave me as we uh, started the source, which is our, our ministry here. And so... Uh, Let me just read this, and we'll talk a little bit about it. It says, They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. You've touched on that just a little bit. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. In Psalm, it says um, its its leaf will never wither and uh, it'll bear its fruit in season. And the reason that that gets me so excited is because um, even the scripture is talking about, hey, look around. And think about these trees that are planted by by the water. Their roots go deep and they tap into the source of life, which is water for them. Um, and then it says that when the heat comes, that the leaves are going to stay green. They're not going to wither because it's 
rooted in the source, and then it it never fails to bear fruit. What I like about Psalm 1 is where it says it'll bear its fruit in season, which I find interesting because there's there's a time for all things, right? It's back to that waiting, right? It's back to that waiting, waiting. yeah, especially like with the whole gardening thing. It's like, gosh darn it, you plant something, then it like – you wait three or four months for something to finally come of it, but you have to care for it that whole time. Yeah. Right. So anyways, it's just, uh, I just really love this because, you know, it's us looking at creation and then saying, well, Hey, you know what? God has put these, I mean, he's, he's built this thing. It works at, as its own functioning ecosystem. Scientists get excited about it. You know, people get excited about it. We swim in rivers, we eat fruit from trees. We do all these things, but at the core of its existence, God has put that there to point to him, right, to tell us about the creator, but then also to give us some insight about ourselves as the creation yeah. because it's saying they will be like. Jeremiah is speaking of a people who would depend on the Lord for all things, that he would be their primary source of life and, and love and all these things. And so when we actually – when we tap in and get deep roots and we depend on – so there's this element of dependency and there's a lot of dependency that happens in ecosystems – each part the is dependent is upon dependency. right so at the core of who we are as as uh Jesus lovers we are dependent upon him for all things he's not just savior but he's also lord and he's our source of all things right and and uh what i what i love about that scripture as well is cuz it brings me to when Jesus said you know from you will flow streams of living water and uh, we've touched on this before but um when i was going to india we were flying over egypt to get to Abu Dhabi, and uh, I got to see the Nile, and so when from you, the sky, from the sky, and so when you look out there, there it's it's I mean literally like it's just barren everywhere, but when you cross the Nile or when you see the Nile, you see like this lush green just following the river, right? And so those trees right are dependent upon that life source, and so uh, when we like so rivers of living water are coming from us. We are to be a life-giving entity to everything mm, around good. us, that's right? Good. Because that is the source, and we and that's not us. That's that's just tap. when we tap in, it comes it through us, right? And so it becomes this incredible life-giving entity that gives life, and there is a dependency. Uh, people are dependent off of us, um, off, off of Jesus through us, rather, the Spirit through us, right? There, 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 there are people that, that depend on you, like my family. There are people that right. depend on yeah. right, you. Yeah, know? yeah I and, typically put it this way, that um, those closest to you are the immediate beneficiaries of your relationship with Christ. Boom. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So tell so, – so paint a picture for me because I think – Uh, In Isaiah, I think it's 42 or 43, they talk about this where he says, for I make rivers in the wasteland and I make streams in the desert. So when there's this this, uh, source of water, it typically ecosystems and and animals and life – will gather around the water source. Well, they migrate to it as well. I mean, and they they're, migrate they're, to it. I mean, how many how what what would be your best guess I I I guess would be uh how many species or how many animals would be like dependent off of the Nile? I mean, it's unreal, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's that entire massive ecosystem would collapse if the Nile went away. I mean, that entire everything that it touches and it's like I, uh, I'm working with a group out of the Amazon rainforest right now, and they're the, seeing the implications. So they're on one of the last 
like last remaining white sands forests of the entire Amazon. I mean, it's really, really cool. It's a super microcosm ecosystem and learning how, like even how the, the white sands forest got created has to do with thousands of years of movement of the Amazon pulling rock components from upstream and depositing them in this segment with like periodic floods and all. It's so incredible. I mean, real quick, tell me the name of that movie on Netflix that talks about the flood and the water is Genesis history is Genesis history. Yeah, well, Have it's you... not on Netflix anymore. Oh, it's not. I don't know what happened. Maybe they got a little bit too real for some people and they wanted it <laughs> off. The... No, I'm serious. You, you, if you, have you seen that? No, I haven't. Wow. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, yeah. Um, is Genesis history. And I don't, I, I've looked it up, man. I don't know where I can find it. It's not on Netflix anymore. And the, and the segments on YouTube are kind of, are broken up and whack, dude. Yeah. But anyways, it, it kind of flows in line with uh, what mm-hmm. we're talking about with like, deposits and different things like that formations anyways really i just wanted to interject that if you can find that movie watch it it's pretty cool that's interesting okay yep so keep going well so maybe a little bit off topic but the scriptures you're referencing and kind of what we're talking about here makes me so something that's been probably the most impactful to me is i think what you you see this theme in in all of scripture old testament and new testament where it's god uses nature to give us an analogy and a picture, an idea of what his kingdom and life in his kingdom looks like, right? And then the beautiful thing is we see that in its fullness through Jesus. So it's it's the same intent God was after the entire Old Testament, but we see it in its fullness through Christ, which is just spectacular. Uh, that'll be a different podcast. I don't know. But, uh, Types and shadows, right? Yeah, right. Well, you're getting way ahead of yourself. Bro. Oh, I know. Sorry. I'm five Grant, years, five granted, years you'll now. even uh, be uh, invited back. Yeah, exactly. I, well, you guys can cover it. I don't know. I'm fine. I, I got things to do. Uh, <laughs> Just jerk wow. it down. Remember, he said he was too busy to come back on. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. But so this, I mean, I've always... For me, I'm huge on just studying the Sermon on the Mount, studying Jesus's words. I mean, I, that's just a huge place that I spend a lot of time. And when he talks about the birds of the field, don't worry about what they're going to eat. And the flowers of the field, don't worry about what they're going to wear. How much more will the Father care for you as beloved, right? Yeah. Paraphrase, obviously. But this, this idea of the depiction of nature is that, I mean, I, I truly, I love, I, I, on any given day, see almost 20 different species of birds, like native songbirds in my, in my yard. And I have chickens, which don't count as native songbirds, but (laughs) they're there. They're obnoxious and aggressive actually. So, so, but you know, I literally will sit there every single day and think these birds don't worry about what they're going to eat. It's true. Like they don't question who they are. Right. They really don't doubt. And, and in the flowers, I mean, I almost brought in some flowers just for the sake of it, but I've got this, my whole front yard is a pollinator garden, certified pollinator garden. So there's just all these natural drought resistant plants. And just, you could, you could right now, you could walk into the yard, move your hand through the hyssop bush and 200 honeybees would come up. Wow. I mean, just, and I have bees in the backyard, so I I Mm -hmm. give a home to bees bees. in the trap, bees in the trap. No (laughs) idea what that means. It's a song. Okay. (laughs) Wow. So, you know, this, don't look it up (laughs) when you think about, yeah, I don't affirm whatever that was. I have no idea. So, you know, the... I can neither confirm nor deny that I've ever heard that song. <laughs> you know, so you... I I really think, I mean, when, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is talking about this, he's talking about worry. And he's just saying, you don't need to worry. 
like worry has no place in the kingdom. And I think that that's actually one of those things that nature informs us is that all through the Psalms, all through, you know, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all these different kind of depictions of life in the kingdom. To me, it's like when this is done in a righteous way, and by that I mean with God, fully with God, that's kind of how I understand that. There's not a need to worry. Like your life is hidden with Christ in God. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that can separate that. Yeah. So even death in and of itself, right? Like Paul's talking about, there's no, right. there's no thing on this world, no principality, no ruler, authority. Death itself can never remove yeah. the fact that you are so wrapped up into the heart and love of the Father. Yeah. That is your it's new the identity. End of, end of Romans 8 there. Yeah. Just for reference, but yeah, it's Thank so you. good. No, that, you're welcome. Like, that's the new reality, right? And so when that starts to sink in, which comes back to the discipline stuff we're talking about, but when that starts to sink in, when you realize like, oh, nature just actually gets this. It doesn't question that reality. Like that's where I sit. Nature yeah. doesn't question who God is. We do. Right. We're, yeah, it's interesting that we, we're kind of the only species that will rebel against its original intent. Right? Yeah, completely. Well, agree. And well, God's I think, intention so. for, I think it was yeah. a Tozer quote, but he said that in all of creation, we are the only thing that will look at our creator in the face and say no. Yeah. I've heard. Ouch. Yeah, it's a great one. There's another quote, and I can't I can't remember who to attribute to, but it says, God's will is done in all places except for the heart of man. Yikes. <sighs> I don't like that. But then we, yeah, we look at nature and it just does what it's supposed to. Yeah. Right? Isn't there, there's some scripture in, in the end of Job. He says, you know, have you commanded, you know, did, did you tell? Yeah. Where were you at? Oh, right. So beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. Were oh, you I'm there sorry. when I laid the foundations of the Where earth? Were, right. you? were you there when I defined the boundaries of the waters? Were you, yep. th- I mean, yep. he just goes, he just goes off. Yeah. Oh my God. And I love it. That you're getting so jazzed up because this is like that. I love Job because it's when I grew up, my faith experience was very judgmental, very mm-hmm. legalistic. So if I would have read Job as a 13 year old, 14 year old, it was basically a litany of critique to Job. Yeah. That's how I would have read it. As I read it now as an adult, it's a passionate calling to something bigger. Yeah. Like it's a right. compassionate, right. gentle, right. Job, were you there? It wasn't, yeah. were you there when I did? It was, yeah. were you there mm-hmm. when I laid the foundations of the earth? Yeah. Were you there when I, when I made the thunder clap right. and I moved the clouds aside? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were you there? And, it, and then you have to get to the end when he's like, this is who I am. Yeah. I love, I've got you. Like, I yeah. love you. What are you worried about? Yeah. Like that's the calling in Job. It's not a, it's not a con- condemnation yeah. from God. It's an mm. education. Yeah. I mean, and then what you were talking about too, right? Like I, I'm utterly convinced that if you could somehow get every person to just sit outside for 15 minutes a day without their phone chained to their wrist, right? Yeah. And just sit there and teach them to be curious. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to look at much. Look at an ant. I mean, I'm genuinely right. serious. Like, it, and proverbs at, will say that. Yeah, like just consider look, the ant. You know, you I, listen, man. Listen, be curious. I mean, this. I loved it the other day, and you gotta just cut me off because I'll just keep going. But you know, the other day, um, I found a, a chrysalis. So right, like when caterpillars right. go through metaphor metamorphosis, they turn into butterflies. Okay, so the intermediate stage is actually called a chrysalis, not a cocoon, just to be technical. But so I found, right. yeah, you know, just venom. Yeah, poison. I knew that already. Venom yeah, poison, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's called a chrysalis. So I found this chrysalis, and uh, it had fallen off the plant, and so I took it. And this is I'm 
I wish I still had it with me. It, it's it has emerged at this point, and there's a butterfly somewhere in the world that I helped to not, you know, it it's alive for some part of me, I guess, whatever that's worth. But you know, you like you could hold this chrysalis, and the little guy actually went back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like you hold it because he's yeah. alive, he's in there, and of course, in his mind, he's like, "What's going to eat me?" Yeah, <laughs> that's probably what's going on. But the intricacy and just, I mean, even looking at the shape of this thing was. It was fascinating. Mm-hmm. And over the days, unfortunately, I was out of town when it actually emerged. Yeah. But as every day went on, the chrysalis went from a deep green mm-hmm. to actually transparent. Right. You yeah. could see the future butterfly inside of this thing mm-hmm. being worked into yeah. what it was a swallowtail. So if, if anybody knows anything about butterflies, I mean, it's just this, it's a big, it's a really large butterfly. Oh, it's wow. beautiful. Yeah. And it probably, I think my guess was it's a, it's a black swallowtail. So it's this jet black color with these vibrant blue and orange stripings along the edge of the wings. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. And so to think that thing just yeah, came right. out of, you know, and you're like, I could just look at that for an hour. Yeah. But you're, I mean, you're intrigued, but you should be. And it's, here's the thing. Like people need to understand number one, that God is not boring God is not no, a, no he's way. not a, go, a boring being. We've made no. him boring. We've yeah. made, he, yeah. yeah, he's certainly not boring. And so if you can, if you can look at the intricacies of, you know, the chrysalis and this butterfly and be amazed, well then, you know, you're getting more of a, a deep understanding of God and just think about, I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched one of those, um, one of those, uh, shows like on a, what is it? Uh, gosh, I can't even think of it. Discovery channel. Like Animal Planet Earth. Planet, Planet Earth. Dude, yeah. Planet like that. Earth was awesome. So, Planet Earth is amazing. So I watched something one time that I was talking you were about say that 70s show. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching uh, one of the episodes uh, where they where they go um, really deep down into the ocean where it's like black, 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 and they have to have these special cameras to see these creatures that creatures that like glow in the yeah. dark. Yeah. Almost. Bioluminescence is yeah. the term. Yeah. For good. Good job, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I was but, just about to say that, but he could meet me. Yeah. Right. Too. He beat you to it. Yeah. yeah. Bioluminescence. Yeah. He got, gosh, he got me. Sorry. Um, but just thinking about that stuff and the, you, you think about these creatures and these, these animals that you've never, ever seen. And I can tell you, there's probably tens of thousands of types of animals that we don't see because we don't learn them in like kindergarten in our, you know, in our little books that we point to. It's like elephant, mm-hmm. giraffe, you know, they're not at our zoo. My favorite place at a zoo is an aquarium because I get to see all the, the underwater species that, that you just don't typically get to see. Yeah. But anyways, it's just mind boggling. So if you think about even just the, let's just say the human anatomy. I mean, there are so many things in these systems that work together, you know, all the way down to the cellular level. Um, you know, everything has a part and a purpose. And it just seems like no matter how deep you go, it just goes deeper. And that all of these things work together. So think about the human body, but then think about a butterfly. Then think about a shark and then a whale and then a giraffe and then an elephant. And just the amount of detail. In a tree. Don't forget it. In a tree. The, yeah, the, man. Yeah, sorry. Jeez. The amount of detail. Somebody, somebody needs to eat something. Right. And intelligence <laughs> that it takes to create this. And I mean, obviously, we, we all believe in creator God, that he's made all things. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, we talk about his ways being higher than the ways, his thoughts being higher than our thoughts. And that God, that the wisdom of man is like. Just straight foolishness. It's just foolishness. Mm-hmm. You know, we have no freaking idea. So, yeah, God's not boring, man. 
by any means. No. I mean, I love like, right. Genesis. I mean, I so love Genesis. I think we, unless you guys want to get into it, but we misunderstand Genesis frequently. Talk about the, it. In the modern church, right? We totally do. But one of the things I love, I mean, when it talks about creating light, it says that light comes spewing from his mouth. Like, could you imagine the wow. speed at which light exists? Right. I mean, the to, to the light, best of yeah. our understanding of light, and I don't, I'm not a, you know, I don't do as astronomy stuff. So I don't know that much about it, but even this idea that like, think about every time we send out the Hubble telescope and we learn more about stars and galaxies and right. it is so it's infinite, so much infinite. bigger than we, and I love this. We are not the center of it. No, I love that. Like society, the marketing culture, advertising culture, all these things that we do make us believe that we are the center of the universe and the world revolves around us. And I got to tell you, this story has never been about any one of us from the beginning of all things. The word was with the father, right? Mm -hmm. It's been about Jesus the whole time. It will always be about Jesus. Yeah. It has been his work, his action, his heart, his will that right. has transformed the world. And we are invited to participate in it. But you but know I what's interesting? You, we are never the center of this. Story. What's interesting about that though, is that people want to, they look to the Bible and then they try and refute creation or they try and look to the Bible to figure out different things about creation and science and history when at that point in time, you're kind of using it wrong. Correct. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, what I was alluding to a little bit and I'll go down it and, and I don't, I'm not a biblical scholar. I mean, that's not my background, mm -hmm. but I've always been really fascinated with Genesis. So, you know, my church background, I had people when I exited my church, cause I went to a, my bachelor's is in science. I literally had people in my church go, here's books, how to, to argue against science because you're going to lose your faith when you go study science, which actually what's fun for me is the more I study science, the more I'm the confident more in God. Like those are not, they're not mutually exclusive at all. The mm -hmm. more I study science, the bigger questions I have, the more curiosity and fascination I have, the more I go, man, God, you are awesome. Right. Like those, those two things are not, and actually if you go back in history, so many of the early kind of pioneers in science, like Blaise Pascal, it's one of the greatest, like he's an incredible theologian, yeah. his book on penses, which I think just means thoughts in French or whatever it is. I mean, it's, he's, he's the guy who created temperature. Like <laughs> that, I mean, that's he literally, was, that's he where was the it one comes that did from. the watch or the watchmaker theory as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And so I could be wrong on that, but I, I think that is him. You know, you've got, like, if you go back far enough in history, pre the scientific revolution, you actually saw that it was Christians who championed. Yeah. Like, it was Christians yeah. who championed science. And not exclusively, but in, and often in cases, right? And so you see this, this divorce happen during the, the scientific revolution and post-scientific revolution. But to me, as I've read and I've understood what Genesis is about, Genesis is about purpose. It's not about tactics, we want to read it and say, oh, okay, well, so God created these things in this many days and he did it in this way. And this is how he lined up the carbon atoms in order to honestly, the, the readers of Genesis, that was not their concern. Frankly, the readers of the writers of Genesis didn't know that there were carbon atoms. Yeah. Like they just, they were not concerned with that. What they were concerned with. And again, this is where I wish I was a little bit better of a biblical scholar, old Testament scholar. But I've had great teachers, so hopefully I can paraphrase. The words that are used for create, the literal Hebrew word that's used for create, is only used in Genesis, and it's exclusive to God creating. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. The word means to create for a purpose. Interesting. Not the tactical creation, which you see later on, like when they're talking about the tabernacle and the temple. Right. That's a different word. That word means like to build, right. to build something. Yeah. So in Genesis, when they're talking about creating, I think the better understanding of it is God gave purpose to mm. this. Wow. That is beautiful. It's interesting because it says the spirit of... The spirit uh, was hovering over the uh, the water, the void. It says there was a void, but then he injected purpose into that void. And isn't that just indicative of what he does to the heart of man? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and it's funny because if you – so at a very face value, right, everything that science would tell us about the order of operations of things doesn't actually line up in the creation story. Yep. It doesn't. Right. Like right. the sun and moon – exist after light there was light right so in our framework right like human mind minus the inspiration and and reality of god light comes from stars Hmm. so how could we have light prior before the sun so what god is saying is it actually turns out life life formed because of me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so like i kind of just want to be like guys stop well it's just not Come on. <laughs> well, then even in Revelation, it, I think it's in Revelation where it talks about that um, he'll be among his people, right? They'll be his people. He'll be their God. And there will be no need for a son, S-U-N, because he will be their light. Hmm. That's really interesting. So in Genesis, we get an image of that. And then in Revelation, we get an image of that. Mm. So here's a question for you guys, because I, I, don't, I don't know enough about this, but I've been starting to think about it more, is so Revelation – Right. My my Christian cultural understanding was at some point in the world, this rapture will happen and we'll all be like exited to a new world that's somehow perfect versus what I've been understanding more. And as I've been reading more is this understanding that actually God's working to renovate yeah. and reform and actually the you, world and you, the in humanity. So maybe our role, like part of our invitation to be co-laborers as Paul talks about right in faith and in this work of God's kingdom becoming on earth as it is in heaven is actually to help to restore and right. renovate the world we have. Right. Cause he's reconciling all things. Exactly. And so, and, and actually the rapture and I believe this and I'm probably, we might get some flack for this, but the rapture is a false theology because it was, it was propagated, I think in 1800s, I think in the church, the church, it's not an old theology, the, the, the church, Correct. the yeah, church has never, old. the church has never, ever, yeah. ever supported that until, until recently, you know what I mean? And so it was never in the fathers, the, the, the church fathers never spoke about it. You know what I Correct. mean? And yeah. we've got that wrong. And actually there's a really interesting book. It's called Raptureless. It's a real thin, thin mm-hmm. book. It's a good read. And it's, uh, it's talking about when Jesus said that these things are going to happen. Surely none of some of you will be, will not die until these, until these things happen. Uh, the rapture happened. Or I mean, the, the, our understanding of it happened. Uh, the the beast and all that thing, like Emperor Nero, he was the beast, right? His number, his 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 emblem was six six six, and that was marching. On. They called him the beast. That was his nickname because he was so, and he was brutal. he was so Just, brutal, right? Yeah. And so I think we we have a huge misunderstanding of 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 rapture, and, and uh, I mean, I'm going to go so far as to say that it's a false theology. But you're right, absolutely right. You're right. It, he is reconciling all things to himself. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah. And I, and I totally appreciate that theology. Like I, I'm not quite set on what I think about all these things. You know, I'm still searching through that and praying through that stuff, but I think at a core, the rapture 
became a, an essential element of the fear-based gospel. Right. Absolutely. Right. And so, and that's the key on it is, is we said, okay, Sinners we in can, the hand of a, of a what, angry God. Angry God, right. Yeah, Which always makes me sad. Throw this in there. Jonathan Edwards, right. Gets such a bad rap. If you read anything else from it's Jonathan good. Edwards, it's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Like the dude is a brilliant, wonderful guy who loves Jesus. And like, we, we just read the one sermon, which yeah. like, I mean, here's the deal. And that was right? so localized too. I think yeah. what, and they, they they think that he was just like so fed up with the that con- that particular, that particular congregation. Yeah, yeah. which like here's sermon. the deal, right? I don't think we understand this, but if you read a lot of the letters in new in the New Testament, I don't think they're that far off because either Paul or whoever is writing them is like, guys, stop being dumb. Yeah, <laughs> please stop being stupid. Yeah, don't do this. Do this. Like he's being direct because contextually they're not following they're right, not understanding right. their life and identity in the kingdom so it, it's it just perpetuates but it's you know i something that we do in capacity ministries often is we we do this little it's a very short but what's the history of the church because where we find ourselves today as a church did not happen overnight right, right? it's just like ecosystems it's all development it's adaptation after adaptation after adaptation so what happens is you see the church now is really a result of like post-1950s Western evangelical theology, yeah. which is all about you individually. Right. It's about what happens if, you know, and here's the right, this is the line, right? If you die tonight, where will you go? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I love Dallas Willard. I'm going to quote him again. He says, I think there's a better question. If you didn't die tonight, where would you be tomorrow? And what he's saying is you would abide in the kingdom Therefore, yeah. mm-hmm. set aside all these things and take on these things, right? Like Paul's language yeah. is adopting his is because you are this. Therefore, you know, uh, and I'm trying to think of Colossians 3 and I'm blanking on the, the exact quote, but for you have died and your life is now hidden and with Christ. Christ. Therefore, mm-hmm. put off these things, put on these things. Yep. Your yep. identity yep. is is fundamentally mm-hmm. new. Yeah, that's good. Um, I want to hit on something before we before we get rolling, because we, we kind of started to get into it and I was getting really excited about it. Just this, um, this thought process, because you were saying, man, get your hands dirty, get your hands in the dirt. Um, but then you, you were talking about, you know, going out and just sitting outside and watching birds and, you know, Casey spends a lot of time in the trees and I don't spend too much uh, time out in nature per se, but you know, some of the things that I've learned to really enjoy are like sunsets. And like, I, I now just love when it rains, you know, um, yeah. I just love the cooling effect, but I've, so I typically hate the hot weather. And so when it rains, I love it because I know it's going to cool everything off and it's kind of like a, a breath of fresh air for me, so to speak. And it's, it's a time to just kind of relax. Like the rain comes mm-hmm. and there's not really anything you can do. You can just, you just chill out. It's not like you can go about your, your business, especially with Casey, can't go about his business when it's raining. Sure can't. So you, you're kind of forced to rest, right? right? And I'm I need you to toughen up. I yeah, know. Really. And I just think that's so amazing. But even just being having a garden, like when it rains, it's it's I feel like it's nature saying, I got you. Yeah. Like, I don't have to get out there and turn my hose on. Like, But anyways, just this whole thought process of enjoying enjoying nature around you and finding God in it. I, uh, it reminded me of the scripture that says, and behold, the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the East and his voice was like a noise of many waters and the earth shined with his glory. That's Ezekiel 43 two. It just reminded me of a time where I was in California and I was, uh, I was laying on the beach down in San Diego and I'm just listening to the waves 
And then I'm thinking to myself, you know, take that, take that sound of those waves crashing and then like layer that on top of each other, multiplied like a thousand. And that's like the voice of God. It's not the voice, but it's like it. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been near a waterfall Mm -hmm. and you just hear the water just crashing, you know, imagine that that's kind of a taste of what the Lord sounds like. Yeah. And so nature and creation just has, has that, I mean, just all over the place. Like I climbed a mountain in Colorado or hiked a mountain and it wasn't a 14 er but it was like 13, four or something. Mm-hmm. And you get to the top of those mountains, those peaks, man, you get on the pinnacle and you it's look unreal. around and it is absolutely unreal. Unreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's crazy to think about. Yeah. I mean, the, I always think about to myself too, like before I came here, I was thinking about the hymn, this is my father's world. So for me, one of my, I'm going to steal this discipline from another brother that I learned, but he said every day he sings and or prays a hymn. Cause like I'm fine with modern Christian worship, but I really prefer hymns. I yeah. think they have a lot more depth in their lyrically. Yes. Lyrically. You're one of those guys, huh? I'm one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I was, I was thinking about this is my father's world. And that's so much of the language in that song is about all nature sings and round him rings. Right. And this idea that, I mean, what, what if we actually believed that if we walked out in our yard and we were quiet, even in a suburb, right, we can still do this, walked out in our yard and we were quiet and we heard birds chirping mm-hmm. and we heard grasses waving and hitting each other. And what if we actually thought that's worship? Hmm. Like that is God intended, God designed worship mm-hmm. at its finest. Because creation is doing Creation is praising the Father, right? Creation groans for this. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so amazing to think that, like, we've just, and I think that comes back to the connection, like you're talking about, is we we step further and further away from being connected to nature, and yet nature is just this amazing, complex revelation of God. And I, I, this was a Louis Giglio thing I heard a long, long time ago, but he was talking about space and he was talking about science and all these things. You might know what I'm talking about. And he just goes, he's like, I'm pretty sure God's sitting there going, go ahead and make a better microscope. See what I got. Like, come yeah, on, yeah, learn some more, learn some more. Like, let that's me show cool. you. And I really think that God's basically like, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to go? True. Like, let, let's go. Mm-hmm. This will be fun. Let's yeah. go. Let's go check this out. Well. We're certainly advocating for nature walks and tree hugging hippies. If you ask mm-hmm. me, mountain climbing, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Take a I'm vacation. A, I'm going to summit Mount Baker next year. How big is that? Pretty big. It's I don't 30, know. It's about 35 feet. It's right by. It's right by Mount Rainier. Nice. I'm going with my my friend Jeff Hinman, who just mm-hmm. won second in the world in the international tree climbing competition. Holy anyway, moly! We're nice. going to okay. go summit a mountain, dude. I can't wait. So, like, I've been trying to summit a mountain with you for years now. So, don't you go with him before? No, you go this with is me? a serious summit, not a hike. Oh, this is like ice pick, like yeah, climbing, like legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. legit. No, I like ones that I can drive up to. Yeah, because yeah. my like rope, are shot. like rope access, like rope access climbing. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. If you, I see, I see, Jason, I see. if you and I want to just drive up one, like. Pikes Peak. Pikes we can Peak, just we do, can that. do that. We can yeah. just drive <laughs> at the top. We'll be like, yeah. look, yeah. we did it. Okay. Yeah. But so I do want to, you know, I, I love practical stuff, right? As a, as a facilitative consultant, I'm always looking for like, what's the practical thing to do? Right. So for anybody that's listening and kind of going, this is really cool. What do I do? Like practically, what do I do? 
I don't care if you live in an urban setting, you live in a country setting, doesn't matter. One of the best, absolute best practices or disciplines I could recommend is go find a spot, a park, nature, somewhere. Go sit. If you're willing to do four hours, do it. If you're willing to do an hour, do it. Whatever it is. Personally, I would recommend you actually pick a spot and you do not move. Like creation walks are cool. Uh, they're really, really good. It's an awesome way to do and be curious about stuff and see things. But there's something about silence, solitude, and stillness that when you literally stop moving, mm. because, and I, I think that ties to our, our society and culture because we're constantly moving. So if you physically stop time. your body and you sit somewhere and bring a journal, bring whatever you want to bring, I mean, uh, maybe not your phone. I don't know. But not your phone only because of the connectivity issues, but you know, bring a journal and just sit. Yeah. And I'll tell you a story. This is one of the most impactful moments in my life. So before I started working for something called the apprentice Institute, which is an organization for spiritual formation, it's absolutely amazing. Apprentice Institute.org. Friends university. Here yeah. It's a part of friends university, yep. James Brian Smith, Dallas Willard, Richard Foster, all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So he wrote, he wrote good and beautiful God, didn't he? Yeah. Dude, yeah. I that's, love those books. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's good and beautiful God is his stuff. And so, and he's a tremendous friend. I literally just talked to him on the phone before we came here. Dude, he is awesome. He's a fantastic guy. And could you, could so, you put a word in? I, I can I absolutely drop a line. Yeah. So Get him on the podcast. No, man. his devotional was, I mean, that good and beautiful God was so life changing. What's thing. his name? James, James, James Brian Smith. Smith. So funny story on that. I'd like to get him in on the podcast. That would be. Yeah. I can probably help okay, you with that. Okay, cool. I they just started try. a podcast, so we'll just tell them we'll cross-promote it. We won't drop the name now until we get them on. Okay, cool. So uh, so anyways, I was uh, – see, now I, I think I lost my train of thought. You had a really good story. I had a good story. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so before I got the job at, at the Apprentice Institute, in prayer, I'm like, man, you know, b- before Jesus started his ministry, he went 40 days in solitude. So I said, I'm going to do five. And I, I brought food. I copped out, but I brought food. So just to be fair. (laughs) So I went, I went to Oklahoma, went to something called the Wichita, Wichita mountain wildlife refuge. So it's really cool. Most people don't know that there are Wichita mountains, people that live in Wichita. There are Wichita mountains, but they're in Oklahoma. Uh, (laughs) so anyway, so I went there and I, one day, and this is like, this is just, I felt really compelled by God to do this. Right. And so I've been reading all like the desert fathers and church fathers Dude, and this why kind of stuff. My yeah, man, oh. it's, we're going to hang out. We should go climb a tree. I'd you love should. to learn how to climb a tree. I will teach you. That'd be awesome. Sweet. I'll teach you how to tackle a gazelle. Nice. You okay. guys really did just become best friends. We just became best friends. You want to make sure you're careful when you catch a gazelle. Yeah. Real That's, careful. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, they have horns, <laughs> antlers, things that hurt. Okay. Anyways, we could tell some story. I've got an awesome story about getting stuck in a container truck with a bunch of heart of beasts. I don't know if we have time. We can go back to that. Okay. I'll just drop that for any of the podcast listeners. Like I've got so many stories about having my butt kicked (laughs) by things. That could be a Patreon account. (laughs) So anyway, okay. So we, uh, so before I started working at the apprentice Institute, felt really compelled to go do this like five days in solitude. So I went down to Oklahoma and on this particular day, I mean, it was just, it was really just me and the dog. I mean, that's honestly, that's what it was. And so I sat on this this mountain called Little Baldy in Wichita Mountain, Wichita Mountain Wildlife Refuge. I got up there before sunrise, and I'm this is not an exaggeration. I sat there until the sun set. I oh didn't move. 
And it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Dude, most people would go nuts. Absolutely insane. But this is in like, and it's not glamorous because this is what I love about silence and solitude is in society. If you're like, so here's what I did. They'd be like, well, that was unproductive. Right. Or boring. Yeah. Like, well, that was really no dumb. Entertainment. You wasted an entire day how doing you, that. How did you entertain yourself? I did. That, like, that, I didn't need to, right? Discipline, man. But so here's, this is the best part. Like, I love this. This set such a huge trajectory in my life. That's why one of my favorite reasons why I love this story was, I mean, really feeling like Jesus is with me in this entire experience and the Holy Spirit's with me. And he's just kind of saying, you don't have anything to prove. Mm. Right? And so, like, we haven't really talked about, like, my backstory little bit, but that legalistic performance-based background, all about be better, be the right thing. And honestly, what that did was it taught me to hide the stuff that I did wrong from mm. the church so yeah. that I didn't get yeah. caught. Yeah, That's what it was. And so in this space, like I went to this mountain, I climbed this mountain. It's like 4,500 feet. It's not a big mountain, right? But I climbed this mountain and I sat and did nothing. Mm-hmm. I accomplished nothing for an entire day. Yeah. And in that space, at the end of the day, after accomplishing nothing, right? No performance. God said, so I still love you. Yeah. So good. I've never left you. Yeah. I'm right here. Like you ready to go take this on? It's going to be hard. We don't know. Like you don't know what the next steps are. That's okay. Yeah. Let's go. It's good, man. Life I remember beautiful. There were, I have a story similar to that, but obviously not similar, similar, not similar, but I remember, um, so marriage is typically a, a tough, tough cookie. Casey, so, Casey wouldn't know about that. No, I don't know about that. But I remember, so I, I was very, I've been, I was very performance driven. I got to produce. I have to do, have to do. I seem to, I was better at doing than, than at being right. I would, I had to do to be as they say, um, but I remember sitting at uh, the kitchen kitchen table with my wife, and we were having cereal one morning. It was like a Saturday morning. And all I could think about is everything that I have to do for the day, you know. But I'm sitting there, and I'm looking around. It's just me and my wife, and, you know, it's just this quiet morning. And I felt like the Lord said, you can glorify me by simply being with your wife in this moment. And I just remember thinking, like, now that's freedom. We didn't have to accomplish anything. We didn't have to do anything. I remember when I first got married, we were like mm-hmm. sitting on the couch and it was like just, you know, a normal day or whatever. Nothing's going on. I'm looking around. I'm thinking, shouldn't we be doing something? Like, didn't the God bring us together to accomplish something? Shouldn't we be on mission? Shouldn't we be doing this, that, and the other? Mm-hmm. And then the Lord just freed me of that and said, look, you can glorify me by just existing and being here with her, like being with. So yeah. interestingly, yeah. it reminded me of uh, scripture where it says that Jesus called them to be with him and then they would preach uh, the gospel and then they would cast out demons. So it's like mm-hmm. the first thing to be the first thing, the priority is being with Jesus. Yeah. And then the, then the ministry comes and then the supernatural is with the ministry. But first and foremost, it's being with Jesus. And well, it's so it's the story of Genesis. What's that? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Doing nothing. It's all about withness mm-hmm. with God. Well, and I love this. So I don't know. I don't know. About Can you I get guys. a witness? <laughs> nice. Well oh, done. wow. That was I like that, that. Was terrible. Okay. No, I like it's good. <laughs> well, I'm glad you liked it. I, He's a dad, I mean, so he likes dad jokes. Oh, see, I'm not. I'm not a, a, a father. It's right. therefore. So, yep. Therefore. therefore. Thank you. The therefore is there for a reason, right? <laughs> yep. Um, so, I, like, I don't know about you guys, but at many seasons of life, I have questioned whether or not my prayers are good. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe nobody else 
thinks this way, but sometimes I'm like, I think these two people are a horrible couple. Should I pray that they break up? <laughs> like, is that a thing? Like, do I, do I ask God, like, this is bad. Can you end it? Or <laughs> like, sometimes I just go, I don't know that I understand the full and complete like will of God. Okay. So that's my preface to this. What I don't question is John 17, 20, mm. where Jesus prays on behalf of every one of us in the garden. That's right? a deep one. For unity. For, yeah. And, and like, oneness. I love it. But, and this is the thing is he says, he goes, so this is a paraphrase, right? But he goes, father, I pray that all of those who will come to know the message through them. So he's talking about the disciples and the apostles, right? All of those who will come to know the message through them. I pray that they would come to know you as I know you. So he's speaking about intimacy, right? I would pray that they come to know you as I know you that we all would be one. He's talking about oneness, oneness, that we would be with. And he says, as Jesus says, that we would, that they would be with you as I am with you, that we would be together. And then because of this, the world too would come to know how much you've loved them. Right. Like if there's no more thing, there's nothing that I'm more confident in. And I, I swear it's the thing I fall back on when everything is insecure and I feel like it's dark night of the soul and I'm struggling is at the end of the day, Jesus sat in that garden and he prayed on behalf of me, Mike. He said, I pray that Mike knows the father, the way that I know you, that you would be with me as I am with you so that we may be one so that all the world and the world means the people we rub shoulders with, right? Like we were talking about before, the people that we rub shoulders with would also come to know how deeply and passionately Mm -hmm. and furiously God, Father, through you our them. through our oneness with the Father, absolutely rivers of living the, water giving life around mm, you, absolutely the, the the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they called the disciples before them, and they were amazed that they were un- or they were ordinary, uneducated men, but they knew that they had been with Jesus. Mm. Get some of that. Drive it on home. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, mm. <laughs> man, this has been a good one. It's been a long one. But yeah. that's all right. We we crank out a couple of these every yeah. every once in a while the when 1. things 5s. get rolling. The one point five hours. <laughs> oh, really? the, yeah. the old one point five hours. What's the target? An hour. Oh, it's all good. I mean, though, brother. Jason knows me. I I whatever. Yeah, I'll roll with it. Casey will roll with it. When do you I'm do like? like do you do two parters and stuff? We can. Yeah, we do that. Mm-hmm. We could keep rolling. You know, I mean, if depends we can on hit who it is, but you know. fifteen. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Mike, big deal. Mike, Mike's got about I have, 15 stories queued up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a big deal. I have many mahogany. Oh, we can, many, my office smells, smells of rich, rich mahogany, mahogany. Many yeah. leather-bound leather books. books. Oh, my gosh. We've been coming to the same party for 18 years. <laughs> In no way is that depressing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And with that, folks, we're going to have to That's definitely, I think we yeah. shut it down. Yeah. Mike, it's been great, man. Hey, thank we, you guys we, so much. I think we hit on a lot of a lot of different things, but we certainly got some insight into your heart and your knowledge and your, your expertise. And thank you for uh, – you know, dropping that on us. I appreciate you coming by. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Um, Thank you, guys. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna make it a point to drop a couple links in our in our show notes. Um, where you quoted Dallas Willard a lot, so I'm gonna send people to his author page on Amazon. Uh, we'll link out to Is Genesis History Movie. Uh, we'll put a link to Wikipedia for Blaise Pascal. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll link out. Book. Yeah, we'll 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 link out to Raptureless, uh, the book on Amazon, and mm-hmm. then also Good and Beautiful God by James Bryan Smith. Yeah, and Apprentice, then we'll try, and Apprentice then we'll tr- Institute stuff. And then great. we'll try and get him on the podcast. We'll see how that man, goes. Man, that would be so cool. Would that be legit? I should I'm probably like, go I'm buy the serious, book and read man. it before. No, can it's I, a serious oh, – that, dude, did, that really devotional good. changed my life, yeah. man. Yeah, it was amazing. Really? Yeah. Can I tell you that? I mean, that that story, like, 
the, um, working for that organization was amazing because I, I came from this legalistic, judgmental thing. Ended up, I moved from Cleveland, Ohio to Wichita, Kansas. Somebody convinced me. I mean, this is literally my statement was, I want to believe that God is different, but I want nothing to do with the church. Mm, that was yeah. 18-year-old Mike Clifford's statement when I showed yeah. up to college. And so somebody said, why don't you go through this? Good and, at, God. and at the time, it actually wasn't even published. It was a, really? it was a, it was in like a red binder. I still have the red binder. Oh, wow. And so I went through it and truly straight up, like the entire first year of that, I went through it and I'm like, this is crap. <laughs> like God doesn't love me. What do you mean? This is yeah. stupid. And so like I went through it, went through it and struggled and went through a small group and all this stuff. And about eight, nine months later, I was back in Cleveland, Ohio. And I can tell you to the day I was sitting on this rock and I was looking out at Lake Erie, which is awesome. And people in Kansas kind of forget how big the great lakes, lakes are. are. Yeah. And I'm looking at this thing and I just, cause I remember this prayer. I went, okay, Jesus, I think this is true. You got to teach me. Yeah. And like, I lo- I've, I've prayed a lot of arrogant prayers. That was the most humble prayer it was just like, I think this is true. I think you're actually the revelation of God's heart in this world, but you mm. got to teach me. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, and we'll have no teacher except for Christ and his Holy spirit in us. So you prayed the right prayer. I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, if Jim comes on, am I allowed to join? Is that a thing? Or we'll do see. I get like... You might, you might be the vector by which he comes on, so... It we'll, might be. We'll flip okay. a coin. We'll see how it goes. Really just kind of... Yeah, we'll just leave it in the... I mean, I might be busy. You know, so. The Lord's sovereign over all things, so we can cast lots and see how it falls. Wow. Matthias. I like that. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Okay. Awesome. Casey, good to see you as always, brother. You too, bro. Mike, God bless you. This isn't the Thank last... You guys. This isn't the last episode, is it? Of no, our season. certainly not. Of our, no, of we've got a season. few more. Okay, cool. Yeah. I just want to okay. make sure I'm up on the schedule. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, they're still listening. We love you guys. Bye. Yep, bye.